Chapter Five of Tales of a Poultry Farm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This has been read by Roslyn Carlyle. Tales of a Poultry Farm by Clara Dillingham Pearson. Chapter Five: The Pekin Duck Steals a Nest. The ducks were not much interested in the new poultry house. To be sure, the hens talked of hardly anything else now, and several had said that they would be glad to lay in the new nest boxes as soon as they should be lined with hay for them. So the ducks heard enough about the house, but did not really care for it at all. It is too far from the river, said they. We are quite contented with the old pig pen. Since the hog and her children were taken away and the man has cleaned it out, we find it an excellent place. There is room for all of us in the little shed where the hog used to live, and the man has thrown in straw and fixed good places for egg-laying. Besides, there is no door, and we can go in and out as often as we choose. That was exactly like the ducks. They seemed to think that to go where they wished and when they wished was the best part of life. The best part of sleeping in the old pig-pen, they thought, was being able to leave it whenever they chose. They knew perfectly well, if they stopped to think about it, that a weasel or a rat could get in quite as easily as they, and it was only their luck which had kept them safe for so long. The ducks were very pleasant people to know. They never worried about anything for more than a few minutes, and had charmingly happy and contented ways. There were only a few of them on the farm, and no two exactly alike in colour and size. The farmer had never paid much attention to them, and the boy, who bought and kept them for pets, had tired of them so soon that they had been allowed to go wherever they pleased, until they expected always to have their own way. They took their share of the food thrown out for the poultry, and then went off to the river for the day. During the hot weather, they stayed there until after all respectable hens had gone to roost. Even the geese left the water long before they did. When they went to sleep, they settled down on the floor and dozed off. It is much easier than flying up to roost and then down again, they said. Find a place you like and then stay there. We see no reason why people should make such a fuss about going to sleep. When the Shanghai cock heard these things, he shook his head until his waddles swung. That is all very well for the ducks, said he, but from the way this man acts, I think there may be a change coming for them, by and by. I notice that things are more different every day. The ducks soon began to see that it was different with them. Ducks, you know, are always very careless about where they lay their eggs. Some of these were so old that they seldom laid eggs. Only the Pekin duck and her big friend, the Aylesbury duck, laid them quite often, after the middle of winter. At first the man looked in the old pig-pen for them, but after he had looked many days and found only one, he drew a book out of his pocket and read a bit. Then he called the little girls to him and talked to them. I want you to watch each of those white ducks, said he, and for every one of their eggs which you find, I will give you a penny. Each morning for some days after that, 
The two ducks were followed by two hopeful little girls. I don't mind it so much now, the Pekin duck said to her friends on the third day. But at first I didn't know what to do. I would no sooner sit down to lay under a bush or in some cosy corner than a little girl would sit on the ground in front and watch me. Then I would move to another place, and she would move too. I must say, however, that they are very good children. The boy who lived here often threw stones at us. These children never do. I sometimes think there may be as much difference in boys and girls as there is in ducklings. When the little girls tired of watching for eggs to be laid, the Pekin duck decided to do something she had never tried before. She was the youngest of the flock, and she wanted ducklings. The older ducks tried to discourage her. Have a good time while you can, said the Aylesbury duck, who was about her age and thought ducklings a bother. I don't want to be troubled with a lot of children. The old ducks advised her not to try it. Oh, you think it will be very fine, said they, but you will find that you cannot go wherever you want to and do whatever you please with ducklings tagging along. Oh, the sitting alone is enough to tire a duck out. Oh, I think I could stand it, remarked the Pekin duck quietly. Didn't some duck stand it long enough to hatch me? Hatch you? No, indeed, laughed an old ruin duck, who could remember quite distinctly things which had happened three years before on the farm from which they had all come to this. Hatch you? A Shanghai hen hatched you, and half a dozen other ducklings, in a box, with hay in it, and slats across the front. I remember quite well how cross she became when she thought it time for her chickens to chip the shell, and they did not chip. She never dreamed that she was sitting on ducks' eggs, although every duck in the place knew it and thought it a good joke. She was a stupid thing, or she would have known without being told. Any bright hen knows that duck's eggs are larger, darker, and greasier looking than her own. The Pekin duck remembered very little of her life before coming to the farm, so she was glad to hear it from the old rowan duck. What did my mother do when her eggs didn't hatch? said she. Do? repeated the rowan duck. Do? Why, she did the only thing that any sitting fowl can do. She kept on sitting. How long? asked the Pekin duck. Oh, you don't suppose I can remember that, do you? replied the rowan duck, twitching her little pointed tail from side to side. Besides, I never count things. All I know is that she said one of the cocks, who was a friend of hers, declared that the moon was quite new when she began sitting, and that she sat there until it was quite new again. He was roosting in a tree just then, and knew more about the moon, because he always awakened to crow during the night. She thought it was dreadful to have to sit so long. The Pekin duck saw that the rowan duck was still trying to discourage her. I suppose it was harder for her because her legs were longer, she said. If they were longer, they would ache more, wouldn't they? The rowan duck smiled all around her bell. Your mother had her worst time later on, though, she said. When you and your brothers and sisters were hatched, she could not understand why you were so different from all the other children she had ever raised. She said that not one of you looked like her family, and the Shanghai cock was very disagreeable to her about it. He said she should be more careful whose eggs she hatched. 
and when you children went into the water your mother would walk up and down the bank of the pond clucking as hard as she could and begging you to come ashore at once at night too there was trouble for you would never go to bed as early as she thought proper after a while she learned to march off at a time that suited her and let you come when you were ready thank you ever so much for telling me said the pekin duck sweetly it must be horrid to have the wrong kind of children i promise you that i will not sit on hen's eggs then she waddled away i want some ducklings said she putting her pretty webbed feet down somewhat harder than usual i want ducklings and i am going to steal a nest at once she was a duck of determination and made a start by finding a cosy spot under some burdock plants and laying an egg before she went in swimming she was in such haste to make a beginning that she had actually to come back later to finish her nest which she did by adding more dried leaves and grass and lining it with down which she plucked from her breast after that of course all her friends knew that it was useless to talk to her about it for when a duck goes around at that season of the year with her breast all ragged from her plucking it people may be very sure that she is planning to hatch a brood it is not at all becoming but it is a great help for when the sitting duck is tired or hungry she can pull the down over the eggs and leave her nest knowing that the down will keep them warm for a long time of course the other ducks talked about her a good deal when she was not around and said she would be sorry she had undertaken all that work and care and that it was exactly as well to drop one's eggs anywhere and let the man pick them up to put under some sitting hen yes said the aylesbury duck or else give them to the fat table for hatching then they all laughed it seemed such a joke to them that a table should take to hatching eggs nearly every day the pekin duck laid an egg and she soon had enough to begin sitting after that she did not go up to the pig-pen at night with her friends it was quite lonely in the clump of burdocks and if the pekin duck had been at all timid she might have had some bad nights for weasels rats and skunks were out after dark looking for something to eat yet they must always have found food before they reached the burdocks for the duck was not disturbed during the day her friends came along for a chat and often the drake waddled up for a visit he seemed to think her a very sensible sort of duck he had not the gobbler's dislike of children although he never shared the labour of hatching him like his friend the gander he thought one could be a good father without going quite as far as that the days were long and the nights seemed longer to the tired pekin duck but her courage never failed when her legs cramped so that she could hardly step off the nest she smiled and said to herself suppose i were a thousand-legged worm she fancied it made her feel better to think of such things and she never remembered that thousand-legged worms do not sit on nests and hatch out their children in that way it is probably better that she did not if it does one good to think of thousand-legged worms it is wise to think about them even if one does make a slight mistake of this sort when the rain came the burdock leaves kept off most of it and the few drops which fell between the leaves rolled off the duck's back without wetting her at all that was because her feathers were so oily that the rain could not stay on them 
Ducks, you know, always have on their waterproofs, and can slip in and out of the water at any time without getting really wet. The pleasure which she missed most was seeing the changes which the man was making in the upper end of the pasture. The drake told her how great yards had been fenced in with wire netting, and how the fronts of the scratching shed had been covered with somewhat finer netting of the same kind. Not even a weasel could get through it, he said, and then the Pekin duck wished that the man would fix a place for her ducklings where weasels could not get them. She had never feared such creatures for herself, but when she thought of her children, she was afraid. That is always the way, since it is much easier for a mother to be brave for herself than for her children. On a beautiful morning in the last of May, the Pekin duck was repaid for all her patience and courage by having seven beautiful ducklings chip the shell. They were even more beautiful than she had thought they would be, and she could not understand why her friends seemed no more impressed. To be sure, they said that they were fine ducklings, and that they looked like their mother, and admired their dainty little webbed feet and their bills. They spoke of the beautiful thick down which covered them, and said that they were remarkably bright and strong for their age. And yet the Pekin duck could see that they had not properly realised what wonderful creatures the ducklings were. It was when all the ducks were gathered around to look at the ducklings that one of the little girls came along with her doll. When she also saw the ducklings, she was so excited that she hugged her doll tightly to her heart and ran off to find her father. A few minutes later the Pekin duck saw her precious babies lifted into a well-lined basket and carried off towards the house. She followed, quacking anxiously and keeping as close to the man as possible. Twice he lowered the basket to let her see that her children were quite safe. The man carried the basket to a place beside the new poultry house, now all done, and quickly fixed the old down-lined nest, which the little girl had been carrying in another basket, into a fine coop. Next he put the nestlings into it, and let the Pekin duck cover them with her wings. He stretched fine wire netting across the front of the coop, and then the Pekin duck was perfectly happy. Indeed, it was not until the middle of the following night that she remembered she had not looked at the poultry house at all. It was rather disappointing not to be able to take her children in swimming for two days, but when she saw how carefully the man fed them on bread and milk and other soft food, and how particular he was about having plenty of clean water for them to drink, she quite forgave him for keeping them there. The other ducks came to tell her how to care for ducklings, to shake their sleek heads, and to tell her how unfortunate it was that she could not take the ducklings in swimming at once. "'You will need to know many things,' said the old rowan duck, "'and I will tell you if you will come to me every time that you are perplexed.' "'Thank you,' said the peking duck. But she never went. She thought it just as well that a duck who had never hatched out children should not be giving advice to people who had. When the ducklings were three days old, they were let out and started at once for the river. When their mother had to stop to speak to her friends on the way, they did not wait for her but marched on ahead. All the fowls spoke admiringly of them, and the Pekin duck was truly happy as she looked at her seven proper little ducklings. They were such bright children, too, 
waddling right down to the edge of the brook and slipping in without a single question as to how it should be done. Their mother followed after and showed them how she fed from the bottom, reaching her head far down until she could fill her orange-coloured bill with the soft mud from the bottom. There were many tiny creatures in the mud which were good to eat, and these she kept and swallowed, letting the mud pass out between the rough edges of her bill. If the water had been deeper, she could have showed them how she dived, staying long under water and coming up in a most unexpected place. When they came out of the water and stood on the bank, their mother stretched herself up as tall as she could and preened her feathers. The seven little ducklings stood as tall as they could and squeezed the water out of their down with their tiny bills, which seemed so much longer for them than their mothers did for her. The Pekin duck was much amused to see how the other ducks flocked around her children. Indeed, she laughed outright once, when she heard the old rowan duck say to the white cock, Don't you think that our ducklings are growing finely? Of course, the Pekin duck was ashamed of having laughed at anyone so much older than she, so she stuck her head under her wing and pretended to be arranging the feathers there. When she drew it out again, she was quite sober, but she was thinking, our ducklings, our ducklings, they may all call them that if it makes them happy to do so, but really they are my ducklings, for I earned them, and they love me as they love nobody else. End of chapter 5